We're podcasting from the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services. I'm Public Affairs Officer Taylor Henry, and today it is my pleasure to be talking to Auxiliary Bishop Neil J. Buckin. Bishop Buckin, thank you so much for stopping in to talk today. Well, thank you, Taylor. It's great to be here. And Bishop Buckin, you have quite an impressive background in the Army. In fact, uh, just last May, you were uh, inducted into the John Carroll University Wolfpack Hall of Fame. And then the month later, you were inducted into the U.S. Army ROTC Hall of Fame at Fort Knox. Uh, Tell us about that. I had uh, matriculated into uh, John Carroll University, and uh, instead of Signing up for gym classes, I signed up for ROTC and uh, had four years in the ROTC program. And upon graduation, I was also commissioned. So I became a second lieutenant in the United States Army in May of 1975. So I have since served in uh, three branches, the Infantry, the Transportation Corps, and the Chaplain Corps. So uh, lots of great memories and lots of wonderful friendships that uh, have come from my years in the service. And you were in the Army long before you became a priest. Correct. So uh, after I was uh, commissioned and graduated from the uh, John Carroll University with a degree in biology, I um, served on active duty for seven years two months and 16 days (laughs) in the uh, infantry and the transportation corps. And uh, so during that time, I was uh, discerning a vocation to the priesthood. So, you know, I went to airborne school and I also went to ranger school and, uh, you know, jumping out of an airplane, Taylor, it, uh, it really starts, uh, starts you to pray, you know, uh, so praying uh, became something that I found myself doing on a regular basis. And after ranger school, uh, I began to think about priesthood, and I thought about it for about seven years, and then I decided, well, it's not my idea. It's a calling from God. And so uh, I left the, the military, resigned my commission, started talking to vocation directors about uh, a vocation to the priesthood. Bishop Spencer was in not long ago, and he mentioned the experience of diving out of a plane, and he said he had a sense of peace and a, a communion with uh, with the Lord. Did you feel the same thing? I must have jumped out of different planes. I, was, <laughs> well, I remember <laughs> the, the turbulence, and, uh, you know, we were only uh, up in the air for about 60 minutes, uh, 60 seconds, I'm sorry, so we were just jumping at about 1,200 feet. And uh, we only had about a moment uh, before we were hitting the ground. So it went very, very quickly. I I don't remember a lot of serenity. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, now, if you jump at, at 3,000 feet, then you, then you have that serenity. you got the time to float. Well, I think uh-huh. I'll take my place among those who would never jump out of a perfectly good airplane. <laughs> Anyhow, you um, went to seminary, became a priest. Tell us about that. Well, um, I remember talking to a vocation director for Cleveland, Ohio, 
And he had said, uh, you know, with your background, you ought to be talking to the archdiocese or the military services. And uh, so I came up here uh, to Washington, D.C., and at that time the archdiocese had its offices in Silver Spring, Maryland. So I met with one of my predecessors and uh, talked to him about the co-sponsorship program. And um, Archbishop Bryan, the first archbishop for the Archdiocese for the Military Services, called the Bishop of Cleveland, who was Bishop Anthony Pilla at that time. And um, Bishop Pilla uh, agreed to enter into a co-sponsored seminarian agreement with the Archdiocese for the Military and myself. So I became a seminarian for the Diocese of Cleveland, uh, studying at the seminary in Cleveland, and I was also able to be in the United States Army Reserves as a seminarian and a chaplain candidate. And you were ordained when? I was ordained a priest in 1995. And in that time, you have uh, risen up through the ranks, so to speak, to become the auxiliary bishop for the western region of the Archdiocese for the Military Services. Tell us about your work in that capacity. Well, I am currently in residence out uh, on Coronado Island across the bay from San Diego. And the reason I'm there, Taylor, is because uh, one out of every six sailors, one out of every four Marines are located in San Diego County. So it's like the center of gravity for the western region. And uh, I drive uh, to many of the military installations there in the southwest. But, of course, uh, the western region is 18 states in the west. I go as far east as the state of Mississippi. They didn't know they were in the west. <laughs> they, they thought they were in the deep south, but I have to tell them, no, you're in the west, and uh, go visit bases, uh, Texas, all the way up to Alaska, out to Hawaii and beyond to the Marshall Islands. So about 90 military installations, and Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and Coast Guard, and I visit the Catholic priests, the Catholic chaplains, I visit the uh, uh, the members of the Catholic community and usually uh, celebrate a confirmation mass, a mass in which the sacrament of confirmation is uh, celebrated for those who have prepared for it. You get around a good bit. I live out of a suitcase. Been doing it for about six years now. What is the state of the free exercise of the Catholic faith in the military right now. We hear a lot about attempts to secularize the military, just as we see secularization going on in civilian society. Is it your experience that there's any move afoot to suppress the free exercise of religion in the military? Well, recently uh, I saw a picture that had a group of Marines praying and, uh, The picture was being circulated because the ACLU had uh, thought that, you know, federal employees, like those 
in the military uniforms um, who are in government time ought not to be praying. And, uh, well, the response uh, that the colonel had made about these Marines praying was, well, let's send the ACLU to Afghanistan and see if they don't start praying. <laughs> um, so there is a, a, you know, a group of activists out there who, uh, you know, are, you know, they have a, uh, an agenda, uh, you might say, to uh, have prayer just be a private thing and, and not to have it... Uh, uh, exercised uh, as a part of the of a religious right uh, for those who are serving in the military um, so as you know I mean there's times when we have uh, retirement ceremonies there's times when there's changes of command and in which the chaplain is called upon to lead everybody in prayer and uh, of course, there are those who are saying that uh, we shouldn't have this. Um, but I don't know. I mean, if you're going to go into harm's way, you know that help is only a prayer way. What about the rank and file? Do you sense that uh, they support, don't support this uh, tendency, this this agenda to secularize the military or are they indifferent what what's your sense well i think that the uh, the leadership they know that the spirit of the service member you know the spirit of the soldier the spirit of the marine those who are at the tip of the spear their spirit is everything and if that spirit fails them, they're going to fail themselves. They'll fail the, the mission. They'll fail the unit. The country won't see the victory. So um, it's important for our service members to uh, have great morale and to be strong in spirit. And, uh, you know, our chaplains are there to, to make sure that this, this is something that happens uh, so that, uh, you know, the, the service member can, can uh, certainly have a strong spirit and, and measure up to the task at hand. What is your impression of the most pressing issues facing our servicemen and women right now? We We've just been through a, an intense war in Iraq. The war in Afghanistan is still simmering. Uh, a lot of these servicemen and women have come home after some of them several deployments. We hear a lot about post-traumatic stress. More recently, we've heard about moral injury. Can you share with us some of the issues that you face as you travel about? Well, what I see is uh, over the past uh well, the years of the previous administration, there was a uh, sequestration, a reduction every year in the budget for the military. Uh, the Air Force right now is the smallest that it has been since 
It began in 1947. And uh, yet, uh, uh, there's still a worldwide mission to be done, which means that there is a very high operations tempo. So our service members and their families are feeling the stress of having to uh, perform missions at home and abroad. And, uh, and at the same time, there's a reduction in the size of the force. There's a reduction in the, the, the money. There's a reduction in readiness. Um, so it's a, a major challenge. So our, our chaplains are there uh, as well to try to uh, keep the spirit strong and uh, you know keep these families intact as they carry a heavy burden for our country. The chaplains, too, are in short supply. How is that affecting your work and that of the chaplains? Well, um, what we are seeing is uh, the active-duty Catholic chaplains, uh, as their number continues to decrease, we're seeing an increase in contracted chaplains, Con- or I should say contracted priests. So the contract priest uh, might not be uh, contracted for a full week. You know, maybe it's not a 40-hour week. Maybe it's just 20 hours a week. The um, the Contract priests also are not able to go where chaplains can go. So because of their security clearance or the lack of a security clearance and because of what's permitted, they can't go to uh, the training areas, uh, the work areas. Uh, they're pretty much restricted to engaging uh, in ministry at the chapel. And... Um, so there's nothing like the the presence of a chaplain on the flight line, in the motor pool, um, in the command offices, sitting at the table with the command and staff. And so uh, we're very grateful for our contract priests for what they bring to the military bases. But an active duty chaplain uh, uh, can go on deployments. They can go on the ships. Uh, they make a great difference. And contract priests are civilian priests who are based near the, the installations they serve, right? Many of our contract priests are actually priests of the local diocese that is outside of the gate. However, some of them um, will uh, move. They'll move to take this contract. So if it's a full-time position, they might relocate to another state to be able to take the position. But by and large, they're, they're the local clergymen from the local diocese. As a, you were a chaplain for how many years? I was a chaplain for 14 years. And you did quite a bit of moving around yourself during that time. I did. You I, were in uh, Iraq? Yes, I am. Uh, Lived in Germany for six years. I had uh, two tours in Iraq, so I was there for a total of uh, 18 months. And then also had six months in Saudi Arabia and two and a half years in South Korea. Got to be a globetrotter. Tell us about your experience in Iraq. Well, I uh, 
had uh, incredible ministry in Iraq. Uh, I think when people are shooting at you, uh, you're uh, a little bit more inclined to think of the eternal verities. So I might ask uh, a group of soldiers uh, before they roll out the gate as they're in their Humvees, locked and loaded. I said, well, how's your prayer life? And smile and I say, chaplain, we are praying every day. And they are. You know, it's, uh, you know, just a it was a dangerous mission. And, uh, uh, of course, uh, people were always glad to have the chaplain there uh, to pray for them, to be with them to minister to them. Um, you know, I was there with two other priests, and there was 29 uh, forward operational bases that we were visiting during the course of a week. So we would usually get started on Thursday and finish on Sunday. I mean, I'd have three masses on Saturday and six masses on Sunday. So, you know, nine masses on a weekend at different locations. Uh, just so that uh, people had access to uh, confession, had access to the Blessed Sacrament, to Holy Communion, and it meant a great deal to them to have a priest present. So it was wonderful ministry, and uh, we were happy to be there, to be a part of it. When were you there? Well, uh, this one particular time was uh, in what we call OIF-1. So Operation Iraqi Freedom, uh, the first iteration, which was uh, 2003 to 2004. Auxiliary Bishop Neil J. Bucket, Archbishop Timothy P. Brolio's Episcopal Vicar for Military Installations in the Western United States. <laughs> 